Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now we have uh, former Arkansas governor and 2016 presidential candidate Mike Huckabee on the line with us now and uh, very excited about this uh, special. It's going to air on Wednesday night on Newsmax Christmas in America. Uh, for many reasons, I'm excited about it. Uh, big fan of uh, Governor Huckabee, but also that it was done right here in the Palm Beaches in our area. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, Governor Huckabee, thank you for joining us. Well, it is a pleasure to be here. Yeah, one of the things that's going to be kind of interesting is, you know, we had to make the snow uh, in order to make it look Christmassy for West Palm. <laughs> I would imagine, um, yes. Yeah, and people were stunned when they were driving down the freeway, and suddenly they see this big set, and there's snow everywhere. And, of course, that's not true. We really didn't make any snow, uh, but we did do a big portion of the uh, special in West Palm. It's going to be so much fun. I'm, I'm very, very excited about this because it's, uh, it's a little different twist on a Christmas special in that while we certainly want to reflect upon the spiritual nature of Christmas, which is the heart and soul, we're looking at a broader issue of how Christmas is really celebrated in America. We want to talk about it from the cultural impact and the fact that we're now going back after several years of sort of being afraid to say Merry Christmas mm-hmm. and substituting Happy Holidays and, uh, you know, best wishes. And we're going back to saying, look, Christmas is not an offensive holiday to people who aren't Christians. For those of us like me who are unapologetically Christian, it's the centerpiece of our faith, but it's also a cultural experience and a cultural uh, phenomena in America. And so we, we touch upon all of that in the Christmas special, and I think it's going to be entertaining, informative, uh, the kind of old-fashioned, fun Christmas special that many of us grew up with. Nice. All right. Well, I want to I want to get uh, more details on it. I know you have a lot of big names that will appear in that. Um, before we do that, you know, uh, what is your most memorable Christmas? Well, that's an easy one for me because uh, when the Beatles came to the U.S. in February of 1964 and appeared on Ed Sullivan, like every other American, I was watching that, and as I watched them perform, I said, "That's it. That's what I want to be. I'm going to be the fifth Beatle." <laughs> well. I started that dream. I was eight years old, and I said, uh, you know, i got to get an electric guitar if I'm going to be in the Beatles. So I asked my parents at Christmas uh, that year, I want an electric guitar, and they said, we can't afford it. And truth is, they couldn't. But I didn't know that. And when you're eight years old, you don't care. Hmm. That's what I wanted. And they said, well, what else do you want? I said, uh, okay, and I gave them something else, and I got the what else. Next year, same story. One an electric guitar. They said, we can't afford it. Asked me what else. I told them what else. I got what else. This went on for three years. When I was 11, uh, they said, what do you want? Electric guitar. We can't afford it. What else you want? I said, you know what? I don't want anything else. That's it. Electric guitar or nothing. <laughs> I, was, I was grown before I found out how close I was to getting nothing that year. But here's what happened. That year, my parents uh, did get me the electric guitar. They ordered it from the J.C. Penney catalog. It cost $99. Uh, 
That included the amp and everything. And that really was an enormous amount of money for me. I grew up very poor in South Arkansas. Uh, when you grow up poor there, you don't really know that you're poor because most everybody else is too. But, but my parents really couldn't afford that. And it took them a year to pay for it. They paid a little bit every month until they paid it off. And they went without Christmas for themselves in order for me to have that electric guitar. But that gift was a life-changing gift for me. It was not just a thing. It was an opportunity for me to be able to sort of begin to live a dream. And, you know, I never got good enough to make a living of it. I didn't become a professional, although I still play. I'm a bass player and play on my television show. And I played with some of the most amazing uh, celebrities you've ever heard of. And, and, you know, you'll be shocked to know who I was. Name, name some of them. Throw, throw out some names. Okay, Leonard Skinner, oh, wow. Nelson, huh. Price, uh, Andy Williams, George Jones, uh, Def Leppard, uh, Alabama, Toby Keith. Um, wow. uh, gosh, I'm trying That's to, enough. Know, just, <laughs> That's <yeah>. enough. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's quite an array. And, and all of the board, uh, Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr., to perform with them doing Aquarius and Let the Sunshine In, mm. I mean, that was a kick. Mark Farner. Uh, you know, Gary Lewis from Gary Lewis and the Playboys. Don McClain played American Pie with him. I mean, it, it's been quite a ride. But all of that, to go back to that moment when I was 11, I was a very bashful, shy kid, which people will have a hard time believing now, knowing me. But I was. And playing the guitar taught me how to get over being in front of people. Because if you're going to play, you got to perform. And if you perform, you don't perform in a closet. you got to do it in front of people. And that was life-changing for me. And it lit for me a fire of lifelong passion for music and the arts. And something I still to this day am a strong advocate for. And, and I just think there's so many kids across America for whom music or the arts could unlock their soul and unlock their whole capacity for life. And um, anyway, it all started with watching the Beatles. And getting an electric guitar when I was 11 years old and playing the thing till my fingers almost bled because I wanted to play so very badly. And I succeeded. I play very badly. So there you go. <laughs> That's a, I, I don't think that you play badly. Of course, folks can check. You, you mentioned your show. You have a uh, show, The State of the World, today on uh, TBN. Folks, I, I guess you, you break out the guitar from time to time there. Almost every week I play with uh, whatever musical guest we have. You know, uh, not every week, but... Most of the weeks that I do, because it's just fun and, you know, sort of a novelty to have a host of the show run over and strap on a bass guitar and uh, play with the various guests we have. Uh, and it's still, it's still great. We have a, an amazing house band, all made up of session guys in Nashville, because we tape the show in Nashville in a, a theater dedicated to the show. Uh, it, it's really a wonderful production because it's an old-fashioned variety show, much like what people remember from Ed Sullivan. We have acrobats, comedians, um, jugglers, uh, magicians, mm. as well as some political guests that we talk to. So it's a wide variety of things, but it's not just a let it scream about what's wrong with the world kind of show. I don't want that. There's plenty of that, and we want it to be something that is entertaining, informative, uplifting, inspirational. It's on every weekend on TBN. Uh, Saturday, 8 and 11 Eastern, and Sunday, 9 Eastern. And it also runs on Newsmax every weekend on Sunday at noon. So lots of opportunities to get it. And people can go to Huckabee.tv to get all the details of how to watch the show. 
Um, I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about Sarah. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, of course, uh, most folks probably already know this, but your daughter, and they also probably know, uh, our listeners, I would think, uh, that she is actually running for your old seat, governor of Arkansas. How proud are you? I'm very proud. Proud of all three of my children. She has two older brothers, both of whom uh, sort of liked obscurity better than notoriety, but uh, she's the one that took to the political bug in a more profound way, certainly uh, more front and center. And, uh, you know, she worked for President Trump, and she's done so many political things. That's been her almost her entire life. Uh, started when she was eight, nine years old. Um, she basically grew up in the governor's mansion. So I tell people if she is uh, blessed to become the next governor, I think she will be. Uh, the great thing is when her three children try to hide, they're not going to be able to because she knows where all the cool hiding places are over the entire nine-acre property of the governor's mansion. So uh, they're not going to get much on her. It's going to be quite quite wonderful. But I'm very proud of her. She's a smart young lady. She's tough and resolved in her convictions. She's not just a political animal in that she's not a person that uh, tries to figure out where the uh, wind is blowing and get with it. She has core values, genuine convictions, and she will govern with that sense of, of courage and conviction that we desperately need in our system today. Are you uh, concerned uh, at all about, you know, let's say she's elected and, uh, you know, we hear how uh, Governor DeSantis here, who's done a great job as, as our governor, um, but how he's treated by most of the media. Um, are, are you, you know, we know how she was treated when, when she was, uh, you know, White House press secretary under President Trump. Are you concerned at all about how, how she might be treated? Well, I'm not going to enjoy it. Uh, and she will be treated rudely and brutally by the press because that's who they are. They're no longer a, a force of journalism. Journalism is dead in this country. Uh, what we have are advocates, advocates for the left. And there's no objectivity. Reporters approach their jobs with an extraordinary sense of their own, uh, really, lack of self-awareness, but a great sense of their self-importance. And they no longer are there to report the facts and let the reader or the viewer or the listener determine what those facts mean. Uh, they're there to provide a point of view and to advocate that you better accept that point of view, or you're a loser, or, or worse, you're a uh, some kind of uh, fascist, and uh, you ought to be canceled and destroyed. That's really dangerous. And I, I know Donald Trump got an enormous amount of pushback, and people were so angry when he said that the press uh, have become the enemy of the people. And I, I wouldn't go so, and, and I don't even think he meant that all of the press are the enemy of the right. people. It was a generalization. But there's a lot of truth in that. When the press, who is supposed to be the referee, wearing striped shirts, instead put on a team jersey and start rooting for one side to win and the other side to lose, and worse, start uh, not only playing the game, but playing it down and dirty and uh, misrepresenting and just completely destroying truth. They have become the enemy of the people because in a society like ours and in a system of government like ours, we must operate on having truth and facts and when the media intentionally destroy and distort, uh, they then become the very enemy of the system of government that we embrace. And let me give you a couple of great recent examples. The whole issue with Jussie Smollett, how they defended 
uh, him and, and talked about how he was the victim of racism and the victim of homophobia. It turns out the whole thing was a hoax. On the other side, they vilified Kyle Rittenhouse as a racist, a militia person, none of which was true. There weren't any black people even involved in the Rittenhouse situation, but you would have thought that he had just gunned down in cold blood uh, several black people who were out, uh, you know, listening to easy listening music on the street corner in a park. Well, these were people who were attacking him. He defended himself. It was a, a legal right that he had. But that's just two recent examples of how the press have totally distorted and destroyed the truth of a story and reported something before they even know what the facts were. It's a very dangerous thing to happen in a free society. Uh, you uh, referenced uh, former President Trump. You know, we had him on uh, last week here on uh, News Radio 1290 WJNO. Brian Mudd had an opportunity to talk to him uh, out on the uh, history tour with uh, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, and uh, so he is also uh, going to be in your special on Newsmax. Um, I want you to talk more about your relationship with the former president. He and I have had a great relationship for a number of years, dating back to the early days of my Fox News show, which started in 2008. And I interviewed him several times in New York in his office uh, for that show, and we became acquainted, became friends through that. Uh, in 2016, we found ourselves on the stage together as uh, political opponents. I, I don't want to even use the word opponents. We were both vying for the same job. We never had a crossword. I was not one of those people on the stage that attacked Donald Trump, number one, because I liked him, and uh, number two, because I said to others in the field, I said, guys, don't attack him, because if you do, you're playing into his hand. <laughs> he likes the crap, and you're going to want to stop it, and he doesn't. He's yeah. going to keep going until this thing ends in his favor. And it's just not a game you want to play. Plus, one of us on this stage is going to be the nominee. And it means that the rest of us are going to get behind him and support him. If we say this person would be a terrible president, not fit, and then he becomes the nominee, well, then we're going to all go to the stage and say, we've got to elect him. He's our guy. And then the people will have a legitimate question to say, well, which time were you lying when you said he wasn't fit or that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread? You can't have it both ways. Anyway, Donald Trump and I, even through that process, had a great relationship, and he clearly obliterated the rest of us. Uh, by the way, the media had a big role in that because they gave him almost all of the attention and would put his every utterance on television, and the rest of us were just sucking air trying to get any attention at all. Um, but that's the way it played. I think they probably didn't realize how popular he really was and how much more popular he was becoming because of them. When it was all over, and I knew I, I could not uh, carry on and win, um, people were surprised, but I endorsed him. And of all the other people on that stage, I said, he's the one guy that isn't owned by the system. Uh, nobody controls him. And he's saying things that I said in 2008, Things I said in 2015 and 16, and frankly, the message that we need, put America first. Uh, quit kowtowing to the Chinese and sending our jobs overseas. Become energy independent. All the things that were a part of my campaign, he was embracing and saying. So it was a very easy call for me. And some people, I think, may have thought, gosh, you and Trump are totally different in personality. That's true. But in philosophy and ideology and in policy concerns, uh, 
uh, I don't think we could have had a better president than Donald Trump. And maybe perhaps again <laughs> in 2024. What do you think? You think he's going to run? It's hard to say. I was with him uh, last week when we were taping our interview for the Christmas special on Newsmax. And, you know, he, he hints around that, you know, he may jump back in it, and he may. Um, there's a side of me that almost thinks that his m- more significant play could be to be the kingmaker rather than uh, the king himself. And I say that because if he's in it, the press will focus solely on his personality, not upon his policies and the contrast with those of the far left that we're seeing now. Um, but he could certainly decide who's going to be that nominee. And I, I believe that he would, if he did that, he would make sure that it's a person who would give us back that sense of putting America first and restoring this country to its greatness, as opposed to surrendering to the Europeans, the Chinese, and uh, everybody else that uh, wants to pay Joe Biden's son a bunch of money for one of his paintings. <laughs> blow, blow art, right? Is that what it is? He, 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 it's like blow art <laughs> well, or something? Hunter is pretty good with a straw. He's had a lot of experience from his uh, <laughs> days of, of cocaine use, I think. And so maybe that's why he decided to, uh, to use a straw for his paintings. I mean, honestly, we're making light of it. But it's a very serious uh, point of corruption that undisclosed buyers are forking over huge dollars to buy somebody's art that is being done by a person whose artistic background is about that of my uh, nine-year-old grandson. And I'm I'm just trying to think, okay, uh, help me understand why suddenly a guy that is really not an artist and has never done art can throw something on a canvas and it's worth half a million dollars. It, it makes no sense whatsoever, other than it is another way for the Biden family to grift from not only the American public, but from foreign interests that uh, are using this as leverage against us. It, it's an incredibly shameful thing. And worse, nobody in the media seems to give a rip about it. You uh, referenced uh, President Trump. He is uh, in your special uh, Christmas in America, and uh, we're going to want you to talk more about that. Uh, um, both of you, 2016 uh, Republican presidential candidates, uh, of course, ultimately uh, he became the nominee and president. Uh, but there also is uh, at least one other uh, uh, candidate uh, that will be in this special as well. Dr. Uh, ben Carson used to live here in West Palm. I, I heard he had uh, he had moved, but uh, nonetheless, I guess he's in this special too. He is. We have a lot of wonderful people that uh, folks will enjoy seeing as they bring <clears throat> Christmas wishes to uh, the people of the country. Uh, Dr. Carson, we have uh, Joe Namath, who offers some greetings and Rita Cosby, there's just a long litany of, of people who are a part of it. A lot of musical guests as well. So it's, uh, it's an entertaining time with Christmas music. One of the things that I discussed with President Trump was how much I appreciated that when he came into office, um, he said, we're going to say Merry Christmas again. And that may seem trivial to some. It even seemed uh, patronizing, but it wasn't. We had drifted in this country, especially during the Obama years, where uh, people in government and people in the public profile were afraid to say Merry Christmas, and we kind of turned to this whole Happy Holidays generic, whatever you want to think about. 
And when Trump came along unapologetically, he said, hey, it doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim, a Jew, or a Christian. It's Merry Christmas, because mm -hmm. it's, it's bigger than that. That's in, in many ways what our special reference is. I've got very dear Jewish friends that I love, go to Israel with regularly. Um, they're not offended if, uh, if, if we talk about Christmas any more than I'm offended when I offer them my congratulations and best wishes on Hanukkah. Right. Uh, I do that because I have great respect for my Jewish friends. And, and so why wouldn't I uh, be able to embrace those things that uh, are important to them? If I love them, I love the things that are important to them. And they, in turn, are not offended when people say Merry Christmas. They recognize that it's not only a deeply religious uh, commitment for people like me, but it's also a cultural part of America. And when we talk about Christmas in America on this Newsmax special, uh, we really encompass that this is, uh, this is a time of year that anyone can embrace, no matter who they are. All right, again, uh, this is coming up Wednesday night, 9 p.m. on Newsmax. It's Mike Huckabee's Christmas in America. A lot of that done right here. I know you went to the, uh, the Navy SEAL Museum in uh, Fort Pierce, uh, telling the story of Christmas uh, while serving in the military, separation from their families during the holidays, and that's, uh, that's going to be some moving stuff. So looking forward to that. Um, as you mentioned, you're at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, by the way, G-Star Studios, I want to give a plug to them. Uh, I know you, you know, did some of the work there. G-Star School of the Arts, I'm a big supporter. Uh, usually, uh, Governor Huckabee, uh, most Halloweens, uh, they, the kids, it's part of their grade, will put a haunted house together, the X-Scream Halloween, and I would go. This year they didn't have one, I'm assuming, because of COVID, but uh, always look forward to going there. They do a great job at their G-Star. That is an amazing place. I had no idea it was there until we uh, visited and uh, taped a, a little portion of our show. And it, it's just one of the most phenomenal things in, in the whole country, not just for uh, South Florida. And it's, it's beyond the school. I think it's the largest soundstage in all of Florida, one of the largest in the country. Uh, just a special, special place. And it was an honor just to go and see it. All right. Uh, well, again, I appreciate you uh, joining us this morning. Uh, again, Mike Huckabee's Christmas in America. It's Wednesday night, 9 p.m. on Newsmax, produced by AB Entertainment in association with Newsmax. Dick Arlett and Arthur Bernstein, executive producers, produced and directed by C. Todd Vinham. Jason Aloise, executive in charge of production. Looking forward to checking this out Wednesday night on Newsmax. Well, thank you. and such a pleasure to visit with you. And Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you. You too, sir. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.